You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Onyx. Now, it is the rut here in Iowa, and I am currently using Onyx every single day. And I'm using the waypoint functionality most of all. I drop it wherever I set new tree stands. I drop it wherever I see fresh scrapes or rubs or deer movement. Or if I kick a buck up as I'm going to and from, I am marking everything down using a waypoint. And all those little waypoints are all over a map is just more data for me to understand how deer move through the properties that I hunt. I also use the GPS tracking functionality to mark trails from my truck to my tree stand so when it's dark outside for that morning hunt I know exactly where I'm going. If you want to find out more about Onyx and the app that goes on your phone go to onyxmaps.com. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast. It is November, and uh, I'll tell you what, man, um, a lot of crazy things have been happening in the woods. A lot of weird things have been happening in the woods. Uh, let's see, It. I'm recording this on Monday morning, and you're probably going to be listening to this Monday afternoon or Tuesday morning, but... In the last couple hunts, I've had the opportunity to pass two really good three-year-old deer. And, uh, um, you know, one of them specifically was 11-pointer, probably in that low 150 uh, category, high 140s. And it got my blood pumping, but then after looking at him through the binos and watching his body and just like, and really getting a good look at him, I decided to pass him uh, because I felt like he was only a three-year-old and it's just really not what I'm kind of going for last year I killed my uh, my biggest buck ever so it would be nice to match that and you know kind of get in back into you know get back into uh, the zone of you know going after and chasing big mature deer and uh i can't do that if i'm popping off on a three-year-old so not a lot of movement i feel like it's been slow i've seen some chasing but the chasing i have seen has been by three-year-olds or younger right i have yet to see a four-year-old buck on its feet and honestly i haven't even seen a mature buck on trail camera since the 31st right so here it is the third that's three whole days or it's the fourth now it's three whole days basically 
of some kind of shutdown. So, you know, a lot of guys say that, you know, this is just a ramp up for the rut. But what I feel is that the big mature does or uh, the big mature bucks already have their first doe and they're breeding that doe right now. And then when we what we typically see the rut and all these deer going bananas in the woods, I feel that is when these big mature bucks come off their first doe and now it's time to start moving heavy and start really competing for you know all the does that are left over so i'm in a cycle right now i am going through rotations of um, bedding areas i'm checking my trail cameras i'm looking for fresh sign and that's one thing that's really weird about what's happening right now is that i'm hardly seeing any scrapes on the ground and in years past this farm has been a scrape machine i mean just scrapes all over the place fresh sign and rubs all over the place so i'm really not sure what's going on maybe the big bucks just aren't leaving sign this year and um i don't know if you guys want to see some uh, follow along go to instagram uh and i have uh, some really cool video i posted of uh, a couple of the bucks that i've been passing i'm doing my whole story there and uh follow along so this is the nine finger chronicles podcast it is brought to you by vortex optics and today we're going to be talking with curtis zobel and uh, Curtis is a buddy of mine. He's actually the guy who came down to Iowa and filmed and edited and produced the turkey hunting film that uh, the Sportsman's Nation put out. And uh, he's just an overall good guy, and he is a bow hunting nut. And we have a really cool story today. It's about his most recent kill that he, that he shot this buck on some public ground in Wisconsin, and he did it with his uncle's bow and what makes us special is his uncle passed away last year and his aunt gave him this bow and he had kind of this experience in the woods and uh, if you ask Curtis I don't think he would have uh, you know he he would have had the same experience if he wasn't bow hunting because not only uh, did he you know have this connection and relationship with his uncle but he has this connection and relationship with bow hunting as well and this story is just an awesome story that I want you guys to listen to the whole thing because I feel that the whole story just is a perfect example of why we are so passionate not necessarily about bow hunting but just the outdoors and having a connection to nature and what that can do for you for not only you know enjoying yourself but just making life better I think that that's the only way that I can really uh those are the words that I that are coming to my head right now so listen to the whole thing but before we get into today's episode we got to do a commercial and that commercial is with vortex optics now it's been a while uh since I've had the opportunity to sit on like a field edge or a place where I could really start, uh, you know, really use my, my glass because this, you know, typically during the rut, I'm in some thick, nasty stuff where I can't see very far. But last night I, uh, was watching does and bucks come out of, uh, it was almost like I was in a bedding area, but it was almost an observation hunt as well. And after I, I, I passed the, um, uh, 
the buck that I passed, my attention went to the cornfield where other deer was uh, popping out and it was just glass mode. And it's awesome to have a very high quality uh, set of binoculars. So you know exactly what is after you know what is out there i saw some chasing uh the chasing was being done by small bucks and uh, it was something that really didn't get me interested so that just gives me intel to say i don't need to move my tree stand location um all the does came through and the bucks that were out there were small nothing important so that on top of and this is a warranty that i've had to personally use it's the i don't i don't even know if they have a name for it but it's the uh, I broke my I broke my stuff <laughs> warranty. If you break your binoculars, you can send them in to Vortex, and they will repay repair them and send them back to you for free. The only I think the only thing you got to worry about is shipping there. That is one hell of a warranty. That's that's customer service at uh, the very top. So uh, if you're looking for an awesome pair of binoculars or a spotting scope or a range finder or a rifle scope, you need to check out Vortex Optics at vortexoptics.com. Other than that, guys, long intro today. Be patient. Be observant. The rut is here. Um, If you're looking for a specific buck, just be patient because I don't think it's on and cracking yet unless uh, unless you have intel but uh, this is an awesome story today, and it's, I think it's, if you're not on vacation yet, it's going to get you by until you get on vacation, or if you're driving back and forth, you may have to listen to this episode in installments, but uh, Curtis is a real good guy, and this is an awesome story, and I hope you enjoy it. All right, I'm on the phone right now with Mr. Curtis Zabel. Curtis, what's up, man? What's up, dude? Uh, not too much, just sitting here now talking to you <laughs> <laughs> there you go that's pretty uh that's pretty easy every time i try to talk to you though you're like oh dude i'm editing oh dude i'm i'm i got i gotta go film a house I, oh dude I'm, I'm so busy sorry i didn't return your call but so it's it was funny to me that i got a hold of you on the first time today and you responded to one of my text messages within like 24 hours so <laughs> yeah sorry about that. i mean as far as the texting goes i'm not really good with that but i mean <laughs> I usually you can ask anyone that but i mean at least i got yeah i mean I, you said i'll call you too so i mean i was kind of preparing for that so there you go there you go now uh you shot a buck recently and i want to talk about that story i also want to talk about a little bit of the strategy that went into uh, this hunt and i also want to talk about a couple other things that led you to where you're at today not only uh, in hunting but in kind of your professional life as well because i think you have a really cool story um and it was it's somewhat similar to mine where for me i was sitting in a cubicle i fucking hated every second of it and and now i got pulled into a room they said okay you and 30 people are gone i got laid off and now i was forced into you know kind of working into my dream job anyway but i was kind of forced into it but now i love what i do so what i want you to do is just like real quick what what were you doing before what you were doing what you're doing now well um i was a machinist for 
like eight years before I, right now I'm a, I run my own business as like a videographer. I, I mainly do all, all real estate. I do, I do some weddings here and there and some other things. I, I, I mean, we did that Turkey film and, you know, I do some oddball stuff here and there, but the majority of my work right now is just pretty much a lot of real estate and a lot of like social media type stuff. Um, but yeah, before I started doing all that, that I do now, um, I kind of was just, you know, I got out of high school and I worked at fleet farm in the sporting goods section and I didn't really know what to do. And some guy asked me if I wanted to be a machinist. And I was like, I, I mean, I guess it sounds like, it, <laughs> sounds like a job to me. I mean, I don't really, I didn't really have any goals or vision. I mean, I just loved bow hunting. That's all I knew. You know what I mean? Like it, there was nothing else for me besides bow hunting. And, <clears throat> but I needed to obviously make some money, you know? Yeah. And so I did that. I ended up going to school for that. Before that, I, I was going to school for electrical and I went through that program had a couple of interviews. They obviously didn't like me because they didn't call me back. And <laughs> I mean, I probably wouldn't call me back either because I probably wasn't very excited about it. <laughs> oh, so uh, you excited to be an electrician? Yeah, I guess, man. Like, yeah, <laughs> uh, I guess. <laughs> I mean, it was probably like that, you know. But um, so yeah, I mean, I did the ele- uh, the electrical stuff and the machining, and went through the schooling for that. Ended up getting a better job after I got done with school, and I mean, I I didn't hate it. You know, it wasn't like something that I was went to, and I was like, man, I absolutely hate this. But I knew that there had to have been something, there's something out there that like I actually like to do. Like I would go around in the shop and ask everybody, and I'm like, do you actually really love this? Do you actually really enjoy doing this? And like a lot of people that work there, they're like. Yeah, yeah, like they get into it, you know, like they build all their own things. They're like super mechanical. Like I was just there to cut, you know, make some stuff, do a good job, get some money to buy some hunting stuff and go hunting. You know, like I, it wasn't like a passion of mine at all. And I remember they, the company I worked at, um, they, they had these, you know, people's birthdays or anniversaries or whatever. And I walked by this table and they'd lay out a big pile of donuts on these tables, you know, like Mark's anniversary or whatever. And I remember walking by the table and it said 30 year Mark, happy 30 years or something. And I'm, I look at that sign and I'm like looking at these donuts and I'm like, there's no way I'm going to stay here for 30 years, man. Like, That's just not happening. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I so was, Skyler was in the Marine Corps, my, my buddy Skyler at the time. And I, I kind of was like filming my, I've always filmed my bow hunts and I, I had this, I don't know, I called it behind the bow. I, I still have it, but, um, you know, I filmed my bow hunts and then I just put them on YouTube or whatever, just to show my side of, bow hunting because i feel like it's a lot different and to a lot of the stuff you watch on tv and i feel like 
a lot more people can relate to the things that I'm doing. And so I started doing that and, um, me and Skylar were kind of just like talking about all the things that we wanted to do with behind the bow. And, um, then I actually ended up getting a, someone wanted to get their wedding filmed and I was like, uh, I don't do weddings. Sorry. And she's cause she saw a bow hunting video and she liked bow hunting and she's like, well, what if I pay you? I was like, all right, I guess I can do a wedding. <laughs> and I did, I did the wedding actually like with a real crappy camera, even like Canon T5i and like a G30, like I, just with one person, like I didn't know what I was doing really, but it actually turned out pretty nice for what I had and what I knew at the time. And then I ended up getting more wedding work. And I said, I told Skylar, I was like, dude, we could actually make some money doing these weddings and stuff. And then, you know, like I can kind of get out of this. Hopefully we can like build it up and I can get out of the machining stuff and we can, you know, like the ultimate goal is to like be doing video type stuff and behind the bow and filming bow hunts and you know what I mean? Making money off of what you actually like doing. Yeah. Cause I love filming things and making, you know, I like helping people like show their vision through things. So I, we did a bunch of weddings that, which aren't really my thing, but it was, I mean, it was a good way to make money and, um, I mean, I still liked it. I still enjoyed like learning about all of like telling the story and filming and stuff, not necessarily what I was filming, but you know what I mean? Right. And so we did a bunch of weddings and that led into a, I don't know the lady I work for right now. Um, Tiffany Holtz real estate, Tiffany Holtz, ended up seeing a picture that Skylar posted or I, I don't remember exactly. I think she saw some of the behind the bow stuff and she ended up getting in contact with us. And then we, we kind of made a deal with her. We did a few houses and stuff. He did the pictures. I did the video. And then we just were like, all right, let's just try to come up with this contract and see if we, we can get me out of the machine shop, you know? So yeah, we ended up talking to her, ended up working out a deal and yeah, that's, uh, that's how I got out of the machine machining. So and, was there a time when you were sitting at, what were you doing? Running a lathe? No, I was running a horizontal. Okay. But you're sitting there and you're having to watch, center. you're having to watch this machine, run back and forth all day. And from what my experience is working, I worked on a maintenance crew for a while and that maintenance crew had to go into the machine shop and say, Hey, we need a custom piece built so we can fix this, this press or another machine or whatever. And these guys right. would, would, were, were sitting there all day and just watching a machine run back and forth. And I see that and I go, man, they have a lot of time to think. So when you were sitting at your machine watching it work, <laughs> what were what were you actually thinking about? Ways you could get out of machining? <laughs> it's funny that you say that because, yeah, I mean, it was exactly that. I mean, there was times where once you have, I mean, I would do programming and set stuff up and make sure everything's proofed out well and, 
make sure the tooling's running well, all that stuff, make sure you're getting good parts, getting inspected, all that stuff. But once everything's pretty much well run, like running and set up, it depends on what job you're doing or if it, you know, but there's sometimes you got hundred piece orders or whatever for a certain part and you have a 30 minute runtime and it's like, you're sitting there forever, you know, just sit on your ass. And yeah, I mean, I literally would sit there and think like storyboard, different film ideas and like all sorts of different things on how I could do this and that and places I want to hunt and places I need to scout. Like I would literally have a notebook full of this stuff. And it's funny because like I would, I would sit there and like Snapchat all this stuff to like Skylar and my other buddies. And I don't know. It's, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's pretty much all I would do is, you know, sit there, kind of get by with the machining. I mean, I would still do a good job. Like I'm not, a total loser, but <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, I cared about what I was doing. I don't want to like piss people off. I wanted to make good stuff, but, right. um, but yeah, for the most part, I was like sitting there, like just thinking about brainstorming, thinking things. about what you really wanted to do. Right. So ultimately, exactly. So ultimately exactly. that in a, in a roundabout way, it leads you to being able to step away from your job and do this real estate um, thing full time now. And that's your, that's your bread and butter. Now that's your money maker, right? This real estate game. But after, yeah. after talking to you about, you know, when you came and you filmed this Turkey hunt, uh, for us and you helped put together the, the film tradition for, for me and for the sportsman's nation, like real estate's great. But like you said earlier, man, you're a bow hunter. So now are you thinking about, like trying to step away from that even and get into the filming and the, the videography full time into the outdoor space? Um, well, there was a, there was a point in time. It was, I would say probably last winter to about mid August that, it was, I felt like I was just, I didn't know what I was really doing. Like I, I, I was making money doing what I was doing. I was doing it, you know, but like with the behind the bow stuff, like I just didn't know. I, I, I was kind of going through a funk as far as like, what's my purpose? You know what I mean? Like yeah. what? what do I need? What, why am I here? Like, I, you know, I, I don't know if it was depression or like, I don't know what it was, but yeah. it was just like something where I just, I didn't even, I literally for the first time in my life, like I literally did not even like, there was times like months at a crack where I wouldn't even think about bow hunting. Like, and that does not happen. Like my whole life, has been bow hunting, bow hunting, bow hunting. That's all I'm thinking about all the time. And like, I guess like it, it comes back to when I was at the machine shop, I would just sit there working and I would have all this, I don't want to have to think about anything else. You know, I want, you know what I mean? Like I won't have to think about how I'm going to, 
you know, continue this contract or taxes or anything business related at all, I would just show up for my 12 hours. And then after that, I'm like home free. I can do whatever I want. You know what I mean? So it was was kind of a, a, a switch in my brain when I, when I was my own boss, you know what I mean? And I don't know if what happened, but there was times where I just did not think about bow hunting at all. And it was really weird sometime in, it was like late August. Um, and well, just go back a little bit. My, another thing that kind of was screwing with me is like my uncle Scott passed away, um, last November from cancer. And so I was actually, I went, I go to his house gun hunting every year. And, um, I, 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 the last like three years, he's had it for a while, but he was able to make it out gun hunting and I would film him. And he actually ended up shooting a really nice buck one time. And anyways, so like I, I went, went there like a week before gun hunting to visit him because I would visit him every so often when he got out of the hospital and stuff to see how he's doing. And he's like, I was like getting him pumped up for gun hunting, you know, cause he just got out of that, you know, like whatever the bullshit they go through for that. And he's like, he's like, yeah, yeah, I think I'm going to be able, we're going to be able to go again, you know? And then like a week after that, I show up at his house for gun hunting and everyone's kind of like sad, you know, and I was like, what's going on? And he was just like, not conscious pretty much. And this was like a day before gun hunting. And so I sat, I sat his blind before or the next day. And then that Sunday of gun hunting the day after bow or the day after opening day, he passed away while I was in his blind. So like ever since that day, really, I didn't, I never really went out hunting at all. So So, was that, was, was your uncle like a big influence in your, in your life as far as uh, like a mentor towards the hunting side of things? Yeah. Hunting for sure. Like, I mean, when I was growing up, my old man would take, he started, my dad took me out bow hunting and, um, I mean, we would just, he, we didn't have any land. So we would just sit on like five gallon buckets in the public land, like in these really stupid spots. I'm talking the dumbest spots you could ever possibly (laughs) sit in your life. New hunters, (laughs) new hunters. But it was the, but it was the point of my dad just taking me out like this. I wasn't going to walk to where you needed to be anyways. You know, I was 12 years old and, you know, get cold fast, you know, a little kid. And he would just say, you know, just sit here. I'm going to go over here. I'll come pick you up at dark or whatever, you know. And, but that's how I actually got started. And then, I mean, my uncle kind of took that to a next level. He had his own property. He did food plots, managed a bunch of stuff, you know, he did everything. He raised pheasants, he trapped, he loved to ice fish, everything outdoors. So like I spent a lot of time with him trapping, like he showed me how to trap muskrats on the river and 
like I let go pheasants and stuff. And I, I it's just would I would love to go over there and spend time with him, just hanging out outside because that's what I actually love to do. You know what I mean? Yeah. So so. This was last November he he passed away, correct? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So it's been a year or it's coming up on a year and and since then you kind of like for that however many months until this season started, uh you were kind of not it sounds to me like a combination of your uncle passing but also being busy with your your new career, your new career path, your new profession that like bow hunting kind of took a back seat. Right. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, it definitely, I literally did not even think about it at times where I would see like people posting stuff on, on social media about bow hunting. And it's like, I would just, I don't even care about any of this. I just, you know what I mean? Like people would talk to me about bow hunting and I'm like, I don't care. Like I just, it just wasn't even in my mind. And I like, I would go through this thing where I would think about like, what, what am I even like, what does it even matter about filming my bow hunts and showing it? You know what I mean? And like, I, I started like actually trying to think about the, my actual purpose on what I need to be doing. And, um, so like after all that, you know, going through all that stuff, I I actually ended up going to the gym. Um, it's a fighting gym in Green Bay. It's called Title Town MMA. But um, that's one thing that I actually really, like, that helped me. Um, I don't even know how to explain it, but, like, I would forget about everything when I was there. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I would just be doing, you know, hitting the bag or having someone – try to punch you in the face you're not obviously you got everything you put everything down and you're trying to like defend yourself and think you know what i mean yeah so like that helped a lot but um well sounds it sounds to me like it sounds to me that like you had some stress in your life and the the stress of your uncle passing and the stress of you um of your your new career just kind of kept piling on. So the things that you loved and you were passionate about kind of took a back seat to some of the stresses that you were going through. And then it sounds like, and here I am put, trying to put words in your mouth, but then it sounds like you found an outlet to get rid of some of that stress and bring, bring your life kind of back to a center, so to speak. Is that, does that sound? I mean, that's, that's probably one of the best explanations that I've heard. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> hey, I'm not a psych- I'm not a psychologist, dude. <laughs> but I, mean, I, I tell you could what, be, dude. yeah. Could be. <laughs> I tell you what, though, man. I've been in your shoes where I can remember there there were days, dude. This is the exact same thing that happened to me. You people were there having. Uh, their 30th, their 20th, their 15th, whatever, however many anniversaries at work. And then they would bring in a donut tray or a cookie tray. And, you know, you got your picture taken with the president of the company. And it was just like this, Hey, congratulations. You have worked here for 30 years 
and we're celebrating that uh, by, by celebrating your loyalty by giving you a chocolate chip cookie. And <laughs> and I I I was like, holy shit! My uh, like it blew my mind. My, another example is my father in law. Uh, he he spent a lot of time fishing and he's a passionate outdoorsman, but he worked for John Deere for 35 years or 30 years or something like that. And they gave him a watch, right? <laughs> At the end of the, I mean, he had, he has some other stuff going on with like, uh, um, a pension and whatnot too. But like, it's like, Hey, congratulations. We'll forget about you in a month. You know what I mean? Like, Oh yeah. I did not want, I did not want to be, one of those people. And I can, I can remember sitting there days and days and days and just sitting like, what am I doing? I am literally wasting my life sitting in this cubicle, absolutely wasting it. And I, 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 I wanted to do something different, but I had a family now and I had to make number one priority was them. And I just had to make sure the money was coming in so you can continue paying the bills. And then just like you, Every second after that, after I took care of my family, after I spent time with my family, it was about bow hunting or it was about being outside or like building something. So after you joined this gym and you had an outlet for your stress, it sounds like, was there a moment where it's like the spark was relit and you said, damn it, I need to get off off my ass and start doing this bow hunting thing again? Yeah, no, yeah, there's like a specific time that it happened too. And it was just, I, I, I don't even know how to explain it or why it happened or I don't even know because throughout the summer, late summer, like I wasn't even shooting my bow. Like I just did not give a shit. And it was, I would say probably late July and I was, I was like, all right, well, I'm going to go out and do some scouting and stuff and put some trail cameras up, you know, found some time to do that. So I went out and, and did that. And it still was, there was nothing there. Like I was, it didn't feel the same. I was like kind of just going through the motions. Oh, here's some deer sign. You know, like I didn't, it wasn't like, I wasn't like passionate or like even cared about what I was doing. I just was doing it because I knew that I used to love it. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was like this. So I was doing, and I went out and did this like a couple times throughout the summer and nothing really clicked for me. And then it was a specific morning in late August. I went out to this new piece of public land that I've never been to that I just decided to go and scout and it was really cold morning actually in the summer, late August. It was like doing stuff, you know, on the grass. And I was I was walking through all this grass, like the sun was coming up and like it was just a beautiful summer morning, you know what I mean? And I'm walking through and I'm soaking wet and I'm like I just felt like one with nature. I was like taking my time. I was slowing down. I was looking at tracks. I was like putting things together in my brain. Like I used to like it, like seriously, it was like an instant like trigger. It was just like, after that time I went out and 
was just, I was doing that stuff before, but it was this the specific day. Ever since then, I was constantly thinking about bow hunting. Like when I got home on Onyx, on the DNR website, looking at maps and stuff, looking at weather, all this other stuff. It's like, I don't know what happened that day. I have no idea why it just clicked like that, but it was literally like, this is it. So it was the next day or two after that. No, one second. I got to ask, I got to ask you this. Yeah. So now when, when, you know, you have this moment, this, this almost reawakening of what your passion was, right? Did, did you come back? Did you feel like you came back from that with an even stronger passion than you did before? Or was it equal to what was there before? Man, I don't know. I mean, I, you know, you could say that it was stronger, but I mean, I've always been like super, like, I don't even know how you could even get more like into what I, you know, into it, you know? And so I, like, I can't really say if it was like soup, like more than what it was, but it, it, it was back. Like whatever I had was back. Like I was like, it was almost like there was, there was a couple times that I remember scouting in Missouri. I don't know why it, 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 there's these times that I go out and I'm literally, I'm smiling. I'm literally walking through the woods and I'm smiling. <laughs> and like, like it sounds stupid because like, you know what I mean? Like you're, it's like you're talking to someone and they said something funny and you're smiling. I'm literally walking through the woods, like happy, like pure happiness in me. Like, I am just like, this is what I love to do, man. Yeah. Like, and, and it was that feeling that I got that day. And it was like, boom, I'm back, baby. Like, I just, <laughs> I, it just felt like, you know what I mean? I do. Like, I, I don't know. I don't even know how else to explain it. And it was like a couple of days after that, I'm like, I got to get, I got to get my bow sighted in. So I was going to, well, my, my halon was always kind of, you know, sighted in from like last season or whatever but i wanted to shoot a buck with my bull or with my uncle's bull my um my uncle scott's wife connie ended up giving me his bull for christmas and i was like dude how badass would it be to to go out in the woods with his bull and shoot a buck you know what i mean so I mean, it was, it's a Matthew Z seven and it was, he was always super like, don't shoot past 20 yards. It's gotta be 20 yards. Like he would not shoot very far at all. Like 40 yard shot. He'll pass up bucks and 40 yards on a food plot, like broadside. He wouldn't shoot that far. And he had, so, so when I got his bow, he had this little like pin on it. And I'm like, what am I doing with this thing? Like, I can't even shoot 30 yards. You know what I mean? Like, so, <laughs> so I brought it into Shields. My buddy Pat Bush at Shields um, set up a, you know, like a, a single pin HHA on there so I could at least shoot out to 40. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, um, yeah, so I got got it all set up, set it in, dialed in, got tuned and everything. It was all good to go. So, yeah, that that so then I went out, started going after deer with that bow. So so, 
so in late August, you, you know, you had this, this feeling and just, you know, to let you know, um, some of the best feelings in life can't be explained in words. Uh, and that's why, although I love, um, I love reading an article about a guy sharing an experience in the woods or an experience with deer hunting. I, I like, I don't know. I like talking to people and having interactions like this because even though you can't necessarily explain what it is that you're feeling, you can, you can get an understanding through the tone and inflection of a voice and you know, like here you are saying, man, I just don't know what it is. I can't explain it. I am, I am almost positive there are thousands of other people who listen to this podcast right now that are saying that are going. I know exactly what this guy means because I don't feel that you can, you can express yourself verbally, really, or, or written, written. I think you can try, but what it what it means to be a passionate bow hunter. I think that is something right. like even right. even me, right? In in the position that I'm in, I can't even explain it sometimes. Mhm. Dude, it's like it's like that I think that is one of when you say that, that's like one of the main reasons why I love film. Yeah. Because a lot of it has to do with like when you put it together, making the viewer feel how you feel. Yes. Like I'm trying, like I'll sit there and try to, you know what I mean? Like I'll look at, I'll look up songs for hours just because like I need the exact right one to, the to feel how, and to, to show at all like combined together, how I actually want it to feel how I feel. And it's, it's hard to do, but you, you can, I feel like I can express the feeling that I have for things through film a lot easier than I can just like talking. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. That's your outlet is, you know, some people write, some people talk, some people, whatever you, you express yours through video and film. And, uh, that's a good way to do it because I think film is really a visual, like it's the best of all worlds. Right. I mean, I, I really think that, if you do film right, you can express it in words and you can express it in audio and you can express it in, you know, like visual too. And when you put all of those together, it's just the perfect mix, so to speak. And, and that's, and that's why I felt that the, that, that uh, Turkey film turned out so great because it was exactly how I, how I felt about our Turkey camps every single year. And the result was the perfect film that represented that. So I, I get it, dude. I completely, I completely get it. So, so now this is the long way of coming back around and, you know, you know, you got this bow from your, you know, from your aunt, it was your uncle's bow. And at this point, when you received it, you weren't hunt. You were still in your low point, right? You weren't hunting uh, at all. You you had this moment where you were, uh, you know, you got struck by lightning and the passions back. Then were you back to scouting, you know, a lot and trying to find the deer and doing the trail cameras and all that stuff, or did you t- have a different approach? I was, 
I was hunting all new areas. And that's another thing that I just, that's just passion. I'm like passionate about too, is like hunting new, new stuff. Like it's just, I really, I mean, I have like some spots where I'll go back to every year during the rut. Like I know are good. You know what I mean? I'll have yeah. my certain, you know, trees or my certain spots that I know are good, but I'll bounce around. But like my true, I just love that adventure part of, of hunting to where like you're just experiencing new things constantly when, when you're hunting public lands, even if you're hunting private, if you're bouncing around, like you're, you're just experiencing new things and figuring, learning more. Like you can't, you can't learn. You can only learn so much if you're just like experiencing the same stuff. You know what I mean? So when you're bouncing around like that, it's just a new feeling and it just makes, I don't know. I just love it. So that's what I was doing. I was hunting a bunch of new public chunks and a bunch of, a bunch of new areas, kind of bigger woods. Not I, uh, I hunted a lot of marsh back, you know, you know, the last few years, but, um, like this year, like early season up until like mid October, I was hunting a lot of just kind of bigger wood type stuff. And it was, it just, it made me happy just going out and scouting this stuff out. And I was pretty much all I was doing is looking for big tracks and looking at maps and thinking, okay, this is probably where they're betting like this vicinity. And then I would be hanging trail cameras like on the outskirts of those areas where I think they're going to be betting like in between food to try to get like pat some type of pattern going. Yeah. And that's, that's pretty much, you know, that's pretty much what I was doing up until the beginning of bow hunting. Right. So then did you change properties uh, when, when the season started and, and not go and hunt where you scouted during the summer and in the uh, early fall? Yeah, so the September and all the way up until early October, mid-October, I was hunting strictly pretty much this main giant chunk of public land, more big woods. Um, I, I was actually on a, I was on a couple decent bucks, actually. I ended up jumping one, and then I was I – was, I, sat over his bed and then went that same night because I was hoping he was going to come back and I and I sat and like a hundred yards away there was another buck bedded that I saw with my binoculars and like nothing panned out on that hunt and there was I I don't know I was just bouncing around in bedding areas all the way up until mid-October I had an, one opportunity on like a two-year-old eight-pointer and then all the rest of the hunts were either nothing or does. And then um, once, once early to mid October came around, um, Skylar started, we, we kind of had a fallout. We, we got into some arguments we, over a few things. Um, you know, this, stupid i mean a lot of a lot of stuff was just stupid looking back you know what i mean like you get into arguments and then you like you have time to think about things and you know what i mean whatever i'm not going to get into that either way so 
it's early to mid October and we're kind of like, you know, we would text here and there, but not obviously we used to live in the same apartment, all that stuff. So, but, but, um, so we, we started texting here and there, you know, it started getting to that time because we always, both of us will go down to the Hills, like Southwestern Wisconsin, Western Wisconsin. And we would, that's what both of us love that. Like, you know what I mean? And we all, we hunted all of the same spots. Like, so it's like, what's going to happen? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, am I going to like meet him in the parking lot? Like it's better to work. You know what I mean? Like I felt like it was better to work together. You know what I mean? And it, so we ended up, you know, texting and I said, well, dude, let's go down to a spot like this early October here that I had on Onyx and, go check it out and we did some scouting called death valley um and really good spot by the way and then so like early to mid october we would just go down there starting early to mid october we would go down there every weekend and just sleep in the walmart parking lot you know we'd drive separately and stuff but we'd just sleep in the walmart parking lot and then we'd go hunting or scouting all day and come back talk about what happened whatever you know sit there and that that went through all the way up until the day that i killed that uh 11 pointer okay so so you and you and your friend slash business part partner had a little hiccup right and then uh that got amended right and then you guys were like you know screw it man we let's just let's just Let's just get over this BS that we were going through and let's just start hunting again. Yep. Okay. So let's talk about this, this piece of property. Describe this, this piece of property that you eventually kill this buck on, right? This, this death Valley. What, what is the terrain features in it? You mentioned it was big woods. I take it from death Valley. There's a lot of terrain change in it. Um, If you've ever, if you've never been to like Western, wisconsin southwestern wisconsin it's like it can vary like there's areas where it's just more like rolling hills and just like not very many trees it's kind of like iowa feeling um but then there's some like when you start getting along the river like the wisconsin river the mississippi river and like in areas in the, around there the the terrain is just like super rigorous steep ridges and bluffs and and super thick ridges with thorn bushes and it's a perfect place for whitetails to live and um so death valley was just a spot that we scouted out but i actually ended up shooting the buck that i shot on a different property we have like there's a ton of counties and a ton of different spots that we hunt down there and we kind of like stay in one location it's kind of the hub, you know what I mean? And then we'll bounce from county to county. They're all like within an hour or two, but we'll just bounce around to all these different chunks that we have had scouted out or have hunted in the past. And you know what I mean? And we'll just bounce around, scout it out, run cameras and get on something from there. Yeah. So what's that look like? I mean, it's so the piece, the piece that I actually hunted that I actually ended up killing that one 
we've hunted in the past and it's this particular chunk is super like the the ridges are really really steep um it's pretty open like the first time i scouted it like three years ago it's it's super open like it's just hardwoods open hardwoods like not very much undergrowth or anything like when i walk through a piece like that i'm like instantly thinking this sucks like so that's what i was thinking when i was scouting it like i was like like a deer is not going to feel like safe walking through this stuff you know what i mean like they're not going to survive gun hunting walking through this stuff like it just doesn't make sense for a deer to live in this open garbage that i pretty much call it and but after further observations when i was scouting i came to the conclusion that there's certain pockets in these areas that the deer live in and it the so like when you walk into an area like this is when i i mean i i learn stuff all the time throughout what i do but like when i just like walked into an area and i saw that it was like open garbage and like everything was like that i was thinking to myself well this sucks but i'll just like walk to this back part on the topple that i thought looked good anyways just whatever and i ended up walking back there and it's just like a little you know what i mean like it starts getting thick in certain areas and it so like the whole piece doesn't have to look good all you need is a little piece of it to be good you know what i mean yeah it doesn't have to be a big chunk of good quality stuff you just need that one little piece to be good or certain parts of that chunk to be good so i wasn't really thinking that at the time but then we ended up start we hunted it and we ran cameras on it and there actually ended up being, it's not a very deer dense population area where you're not going to see like 20 deer. Like you're not even going to see 10 deer a night probably, but you'll, when you're, when you're hunting this area, there's a few does here and there, but there's some big giant mega bucks in that area. Like we've had, we've had some really good big buck pictures on camera. And I think, I think because of that, if if you look on like Onyx, a lot of a lot of the chunks that I feel like are more pressured and not as good, they're always surrounded by like a bunch of different property owners. You know what I mean? And then when you when you this particular chunk, it's surrounded by giant tracks of like managed properties. Gotcha. And you know what I mean? So yeah. that's gonna give you the age and and I honestly I don't think that my, many of those landowners around there even bow hunt either. Like I think they just gun hunt. So like those properties are really good. The public is like kind of open and lame, but like there's some parts of it that are good. So those were the parts that we were we ended up hunting, especially after knowing that there's some big bucks on the cameras. Right. So that was, was it like a transition area between the, the big farms and then the pockets kind of sucked the, the, those, those pockets that you mentioned, the, the good pockets within the bigger wide open area kind of sucked the deer in? There was, there was some, there was some bedding on the public chunk. Um, some of the does and stuff would bed down low, but 
I think mainly all the the big bucks and stuff were betting up top on like the higher thicker points, but there was just a few of those. A lot of the points there were just kind of open and lame, but there's there's some thicker points in that piece that that are hold good betting, and then that private chunk next to the public, it's like just nothing but tall grass CRP like premium betting and. I think a lot of them are probably laying in there, but, and then, so like most of the betting is on the, the, the big private pieces. And then on the other side of the public, there's a lot of food, there's food everywhere around there. So there's deer, you know, using that as far as travel so, corridors and stuff during the run. Was this uh was this piece, is it hard to get to? I mean, is it a ways off the road? Is it back in there? uh a good a good ways like does the normal guy go that far or were you just putting in the extra um, work and getting back there it was it's kind of average it wasn't it was it's not like a piece where you're like damn i don't want to wake up and walk that far but it's not a, it's not like easy to get to i wouldn't say but i mean it's a little off the beaten path it's a little different i mean but there's no, i i guess i wouldn't say it's anything that you know yeah. weird about it you know yeah okay so then you know as you're as you're starting to make your way into this piece and you start hunting it uh did you notice any s- fresh sign rubs scrapes what what were the deer doing and how were they using the terrain to get through through where you eventually killed this buck um so i actually haven't hunted this piece yet this year this is the first time I hunted it was when I killed that buck and okay. Skyler ended up hunting this piece, I think once or twice before me, but I mean, we would be bouncing around on different chunks, you know what I mean? And then kind of giving her, giving ourselves like reports and stuff. It like, cause last year it was just me and him in the same tree every single time. And it sucks because it's like, man, someone should be over there hunting this stuff. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, it actually works out better this way as far as like he's you know checking this area out i'm checking this area out and then if one area is really good maybe we'll both tag team it you know what i mean so it was kind of this he went in there and you know it's kind of the same but there's there's been people in there and like the last couple years there really hasn't been much human pressure on this chunk but i think um some people have been probably getting some deer on camera or the I had a camera in there stolen maybe they which had those big bucks on it so maybe they knew something about it I don't know but it's been getting a little more human pressure than normal and that usually doesn't doesn't necessarily drive me away from hunting public land because if you see a couple of cars in the park I mean they could be anywhere right you know and yeah. not a lot of them are hunting the same stuff that you are anyways but um yeah so we the like the night before we were in the walmart parking lot and i'm i'm texting him i'm like well i think that i think that uh i'm feeling this chunk and he's like all right well i don't care he's like you pick and i'm like i think we should take team this chunk with this with east southeast winds like there's a lot of good areas that we could target on this this chunk and it was like no particular reason, but 
one of the one of the areas closer to where you walk in it was it's just a a, a ridge that runs um north and south right where you walk in and it's pretty thick like really thick with like thorns and stuff and every year i've I've actually scouted it and like there's a big point at the end with like doe bedding and stuff on it and like ever i've scouted it and kicked deer up out of there but it's just kind of so close to the parking lot that you kind of you kind of like oh i'm gonna go like way back to the sweet spot like and and a lot of times we're a lot of times i've caught myself in hill country hunting those bottom areas like you get caught up in all the sign down there like these big giant like mega scrapes down on the bottom with these mega run runways going across rivers and stuff and like i i found that it's just kind of a waste of time to hunt down in that stuff unless it's like super calm or there's like specific ways to if it's like a wider valley you can control your wind a little better because like when you're down there you can't really control your wind at all like it's just kind of you're just shooting from the hip you're gonna get lucky if something comes in and you get a shot at it like if you can't control the way your thermals or wind are going you're kind of screwed you know what i mean like yeah so i've i've in the past i've been i've hunted a lot of that stuff and i've screwed up like a ton doing that so now i've been focusing more on hunting most of my most of the areas that i'm hunting i'm always hunting like that top third but there are some lower areas where i've sat and this like miraculously like oh the thermals are always going up right here i'm good like i have a consistent wind i don't know how the hell it happens but it does you know what i mean so you just learn from sitting those spots there's some you can try to predict it you're like well if the wind is going to do this it's going to bounce off this ridge and then it's going to come this way and like you're just trying to predict it because it's kind of like water but then like you get down there and you're like oh it's going to be good you set up and it's like this is totally opposite of what i thought it was going to be yeah and so i actually i so there i picked a point on there's a little like there's a couple points on this this uh ridge like kind of closer to the walk-in and then there was another like funnel area um probably about three quarters of a mile away from that spot and i had those two points marked with for like east southeast winds that we were getting i was going to switch to northeast and the plan was maybe to sit like till noon and then depending on what we saw maybe switch locations or whatever so i said i i like these two spots what do you think he's like it looks good to me and he says, um, well, where do you want to sit? And I said, I don't care. Where do you want to sit? And he's like, you pick. I was like, all right, I'll sit the one closer to the road. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I, you know, I sat there and I, and I thought, to, I, and I actually thought the other spot was better, but, but this, cause I just, I don't know. It just kind of just seems like it's, there shouldn't be deer there because it's kind of closer to the road. So, we walked in and I always remember every time we walk in, there's always like big rubs and scrapes. Like right when you walk in on that ridge line, not where I was sitting exactly. Cause that would just kind of be ridiculous if you sat right there. Maybe it's a good spot, but you walk right in and it's always like 
good rubs and like trails and scrapes going right through there. And I just never sat that ridge. And so I was actually kind of excited when I walked in. I was like, you know, I might get kind of, I might surprise myself with what's going to happen here. And I, I ended up, we ended up walking the bottom and I walked up from the bottom to the top and set, and set up in between this big point I knew had dough bedding on it that I scouted out. But then there's like this little knob that comes out and um, probably about, I don't know, 100 yards away from the big point. And so I set up right on the edge of that little knob in between the big point and that little knob on the top third. The wind was coming over the top. I had like some CRP and like alfalfa field up top. And it was like real thick top with like thorns and stuff. So, it, I mean, it's just like perfect. Like if something was going to be bedding, on those points, like that's like the perfect wind for that. Like there, it's blowing from the alfalfa and and that CRP stuff up top, down into the valley, and they're going to be laying like on the ends of those points, looking down into that valley with the wind getting coming from their back, and then the thermals coming up. And it this it just seemed like you know it'd be picture perfect. I feel like it's kind of it's kind of easy to predict the like the where they're going to be betting with the with the wind and in, in the hills as far as like when you're hunting marsh it's like i don't know what the hell is going to happen they could be bedded here or here or whatever but so that's one thing i like about the hills but the, the other thing i don't like about the hills is the wind controlling your wind and the thermals is a pain in the ass sometimes so yeah. um so yeah, I sat up there. He went around the bottom. This, this was a, this a was a morning hunt, right? Yep, morning. Okay, uh, October twenty right. sixth. All right, October twenty sixth morning. Yep, and it was I don't know, thirties. It was pretty cool out, and you know, good morning to be out October twenty sixth. And he went around this point. I sat up there, and I was—I mean, I was thinking that he was probably going to see some good deer where he was um got set up got all of my camera stuff set up and like i don't know 30 minutes before it got light out maybe a little earlier than that uh i saw another flashlight bobbing around on the bottom of the, the ridge and i was like oh man a guy in here whatever you know and he went up kind of on an area closer to towards skyler and I was like, oh, well, he's going his way, good. <laughs> and um, so I, I ended up, I was sitting there, it got light out. It's like 7.30-ish. And I was like, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn on my, I, have, I run two cameras. I run a camera above me, uh, stick and pick for like, just like talking, like interviews and stuff. And then like, I run a, a main camera on the camera and yeah. with like a zoom lens or whatever. And uh I was just like, all right, I'm going to turn on this. Nothing's happening yet. So I'm just going to turn on this camera and start talking or whatever. And just give my spiel and what's going on. Kind of like I just gave it to you. And um, I'm sitting there talking to it. And I'm looking back and forth from the camera, looking around. And I look and literally 40 yards away, there's, I see a big white rack coming up the hill, kind of from where I came from. And coming right at me, my wind is, like, just off. 
of him, like just kind of going just a little bit off from where he's coming, walking up. And I'm like, the camera's running on me while I'm like doing my interview. And I'm like, holy shit, here comes a buck. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it was like instantly, it was, I didn't even have time to get excited or like, it was just like, oh, here comes a buck. I'm going to shoot it. And I grabbed my bow and I actually ended up not even turning on the other camera yet. I was just like, I don't have, like, it's behind me, and I have my, my safety harness on. And I don't know if you've ever done much for self-filming, but, like, sometimes when you don't have the camera set up correctly, you have to, like, weasel it underneath your safety harness to get to the other side of the tree to, to film. Yep. And I'm like, dude, this thing's at 40 yards, and it's a big buck. Like, I didn't even think twice. Like, when I looked at it, I was like, I'm shooting him. Like, I wasn't like, oh, I don't know. Like, I never did one of those. <laughs> and, like, I, a lot of times I do that. Like, I'll sit there and be like, mm, you know, it's like a two- or three-year-old. Like, uh, I don't know. But, like, this one was, I was like, okay, yeah, for sure, 100%. And I I, I looked up at the camera. I'm, like, I'm not even going to screw around with this other camera. And I, I pull back my bowl, and he's at 30. I ranged him. He's at 35 yards, pull back. And he was, I just had a shoulder shot and I put the pin on his shoulder and then I was like, I can't, I don't want to shoot the shoulder. And he just needs to take one more step. And he took a step and he, he was kind of walk, kept walking. He didn't like step and walk, stop. He just kept kind of just walking slowly, like grazing on some stuff. And I don't know what you shoot for targets, but like I have this, I don't know. I think it's like a Reinhardt, whatever. Um, just a square block target or something. And it's got like green dots on it. And like when I target practice, I'm like so focused on just keeping that pin on the green dot that I'm not really even like realizing. So when I was pulled back on this deer, I wasn't even like, wasn't even like focused on where I was aiming. Like I was, you know what I mean? Like he like walked through, I put the pin like, I'm like, oh, I'm past his shoulder, center of his body. Like, it's going to be double lungs. And I let my arrow go. Like, everything felt good. I had to crouch down a little bit to go underneath the branch, but it was all good. And it felt good. Everything was great. Like, it just – and I saw the arrow sail right into his guts. Oh, shit. And I'm like, I'm like, what in the – like, I was just like, what did I just do? Like, yeah. I, I was like not even focused on where I was aiming. Like I, I, I was like focused, but I wasn't focused enough. Like, you know how they say aim small, miss small. Right. I wasn't, I wasn't like aiming small. I was just like, Oh yeah. Right. Perfect. Right here. Boom. And it wasn't, it was like right in the guts. So he jumped back 10 yards and like just stood there behind some stuff. That's when I grabbed the camera, turn it on from around me grab another arrow put it on my bow i did all this real pretty quietly and i ended up getting some footage of him down there and he was like he ended up circling around a little bit and getting my wind and jumping down the ridge and he was gone and that was then i sat there in just the worst feeling ever you know you got shoot a deer and it's just like, I feel like my life's over. Like, yeah, I don't know. 
like you put it bad shot on a deer, everyone knows the feeling. If you've been bowing long enough, it's like, God, what an idiot. It like sucks. I just felt like jumping out of the tree. Yeah. So, so you shoot, you shoot this deer essentially in the guts and then, I mean, then what happened? I mean, you get out of your stand, you go tr- start tracking him or what? No. So I, well, I was like texting a lot of my, a lot of the guys I talked to, you know, throughout both season and they were all pretty much like, well, I mean, he's going to die, you know, but you know, you guys have to give him time. And, and then a lot of people were saying, get dogs and all this. And I don't know. I just feel like you can't, if you use a dog, you can't bring your bow with you. So if it's like wounded lane there, you know what I mean? Like, I just, I don't know. I'm not like against dogs. I just, I kind of just want to do it myself. Just, I don't know why, but, um, I came back to the truck. I told Skylar, I shot one, um, talked to the other guy that came out and I told him, I was like, Hey dude, I shot one. Um, we're probably going to be tracking it later today because it was supposed to rain that night and i was like dude we're gonna be tracking this thing i don't i probably wouldn't come back in this area if i were you unless you want to like get pissed off in your tree stand he's like yeah that's fine and um skylar came out we waited till like three or four o'clock to start tracking him i shot him at like 7 45 and the uh the rain was supposed to come in at like seven so I was going to give us like a good three hours to, you know, he's been dead six hours now. I mean, been shot six hours now. Yeah. And everything in me was thinking, I'm like, man, I shouldn't, I should not be tracking him right now. Like I should be waiting. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it just felt like I needed to wait overnight. All right. So you felt that you should, uh, you should leave him overnight, but you decided to go after him because the rain was coming. Right. So we started tracking them. And I'm not even going to get into the, the whole story about the track. It was just a miserable track. Um, gut shot, you know, barely any blood, pin drops of blood, lot, you know, not even any blood on impact, not any blood for like the first how many yards. Like I just, so we got down to this trail. We started following this trail with big tracks ended up getting on some more pin drops of blood and you know got i don't know i i ended up um pin pinning this on onyx to see how many yards he traveled total so like i kind of know the distances here but so he went probably around like 300 yards to where we started i started getting the feeling, okay, he's probably going to be bedded up in here. And there's this pine point. And what we were kind of doing is I was tracking blood and then he was looking, he was looking up around me. So, cause what we were both thinking is he's probably going to watch his back trail. He's going to go down into something then he's going to come back up that up high and watch you come in after him. You know what I mean? So I was like, well, if you can like spot him before he can jump up, that would be great. Cause then at least we know where he's at. And then I'll just like be focused on looking for blood. So that's what we did. We got up to this pine point, nothing. 
where it feels like he should be betting right here, but he's not. And I'm like going back and forth. I'm like, did I even shoot him in the guts? Like what the hell? Like, I know I saw it like sail perfectly right in the middle of his gut pouch. You was, know? It a, was it a pass through? Did you get the arrow or find the arrow at all? Yeah. Pass through. Pass okay. through. And the, there was no blood on impact. There was just like some hair laying on the ground and the arrow was just like, just waxy. Like it was just like, you know, waxy, no blood or nothing on it. And I smelt it, smelled like ass, you know? Yeah. And, uh, I mean, I, I just knew, I knew it was a gut pat. I knew it was a gut shot. I just, you know, you, you start second guessing yourself when, when certain things happen. Yeah. And so I ended up going down into the bottom and it started getting kind of thick and started getting actually really thick down in this bottom. And I was, and I'd actually never been in this part. That's one thing that's different about tracking deer is like you you start to find they're even more safe havens than you actually thought that there was. You know what I mean? Right. And so I get down, we get down to this bottom, and I told Skyler, I was like, dude, I don't think we should track this thing anymore. Like I don't think he's dead. I don't. I think we're gonna jump him. Like I just, I had this like the biggest gut feeling I ever had. Like I was like, hmm. I don't like this. I think we're going to jump him up here. And he, he was like, well, dude, it's going to rain. And I'm like, yeah, I know, but I think, I feel like he's going to be up here. Well, either way, ended up going, ended up keep going. We get to this middle, this middle area and some deer jump up and they're like blowing and shit. And I'm like, son of a bitch. And I look back at him, like, you think that was him? I don't think it was. And, I mean, if he was, like, gut shot, he wouldn't be blowing, right? I'm just thinking. And, no, I don't think so. We started tracking, and he we took a right trail, I took a left. So we stopped looking around, like, up top. As soon as I got to the opening, uh, a deer jumps up, like, 100 yards up on the ridge. And I was pretty sure it was that buck. And I like threw my shit down. I grabbed my binoculars. I'm like looking up top, trying to see if it's him. And sure enough, I see this big white rack going up the hill and he kind of was stumbling a little bit. And then he like slowly walked over the top of it and he was gone on the, on to private land now. Oh boy. And I was like, man, okay. Now we can't go any farther and he's still alive. So I was like, well, at least we know, where he's where he's at you know for this far already it's like 400 yards in now and so we packed out and i ended up trying to get permission to for the to track because in wisconsin you have to get permission and i couldn't get the the landowner's name uh the next morning i went out and skylar actually went out bow hunting and in a really good spot, a big community scrape down low uh, where you could actually control your wind. And um, he went out bow hunting. I went tracking, actually ended up getting the permission from the private landowner and went up there where, where I where I thought where he was bedded and there was no blood. There was no bed. It, it was like a light rain the night before and like frost and all the leaves were like melting, like watery you know what i mean so like i couldn't see shit for blood there was like nothing and 
then I so I was like, man, I don't even know what the hell is going on. And he only went up in this one area, and where he went up, he would literally have to like jump over this giant rock wall that I had to like shimmy up. Like I was like, how the hell did this thing do this with a gut shot? Like I don't understand, but he did. He went up over the top. And then I, the last time I saw him, he was going towards this, the end of this point. So that's where I kind of left off on the track. I started just kind of looking for a body because I just, there was nothing to look for. And I started going down to the end of that point and the whole, that whole point was just nothing but like cliffs and rocks, like just the nastiest. And, I, and I'm just thinking like that he definitely didn't go down in there. Like it, so it, this point kind of like wrapped around and went back up into this giant CRP field I was talking about earlier. Just nothing but tall grass and weeds and some little bushes here and there. And so I was like, well, if I was gut shot, I'd probably go up in this stuff. And I ended up just started grid searching. I turned on my active track on my GPS and I was just, grid searching this whole CRP field in like increments and it was about 11 a.m. and I was like you know I'm not going to find this thing like I literally like the worst feeling that you have that you could possibly have this and reality you know, almost was, starts to set in and you're just like well I bumped him, and he's on another property. I'm not finding any sign. Um, he's going to die, but I'm not going to be the one to find him. Exactly. Like, I'm just thinking, I'm like, he could be anywhere. And, yeah. I, and I was, like, I could not even be close to him right now. It's like the worst thoughts going through my head. Like, not positive. Like, like you should be. You should be thinking positively. Like, I'm going to find him up here. Or, like, it's always this negative for me when it, it, in those situations, it's hard to stay positive and, like, I was just like, he could be, who the hell knows where he's at? Did I even gut shoot him? Like, all these things going through my head. And I, I'm i sitting in the middle of this grass, and I kind of got, I got, kind of got some inspiration from Lucas when he shot his buck. And I'm not, I don't go to church. I don't, I'm not like a huge, you know, I don't, I don't even know what to believe in sometimes. And, I'm just kind of up, like, it's hard for me to believe in something I can't see. Like, I just, it's very, very hard for me. Like, I have to experience it. I can't, like, like, to actually, like, believe in, like, I need an experience or some sort. And I kind of got inspiration when I was talking to Lucas about his box. He was telling me, he's like, dude, I was, I was talking to Todd and I was asking him, and I'm like, you know what? It doesn't hurt, man. Like it doesn't, you know. So I'm, I'm just, I'm sweating my ass off. It kind of got a little warm, and I put my pack down in the middle of this grass, and I'm just standing there, and I'm looking up in the sky, and I'm just like, Scott, man, if you can do anything right now, anything, some type of sign of any sort to just put me in the right direction or 
You know what I mean? Just anything you can do because I'm just lost right now. I have no clue what's going on. And like instantly, I'm not even kidding you. Like five, 10 seconds after I said this, there's this eagle flying in the sky in circles. And you know, birds do that, but he was flying in circles right where the exact spot, right where I came from. And he was, he was like screeching. He was like, whatever they, the, the noise they make, I'm not even going to try to attempt that, but he's, he's doing circles and he's making this noise. And it was, I don't know if you've ever had this feeling of like tunnel vision, but it was literally like everything stopped for like a minute and it was just me and that Eagle. And I was watching that Eagle, but almost like it sounds so screwed up, man. Like, but it was almost like it was Scott up there. Like, come on, let's go over here. here." Like, and, and I'm just like, this can't fucking be happening. That's what I'm thinking to myself. I'm looking up at this bird and I'm like, like it was instantly right after I said that. And I'm like, I couldn't hear anything. I couldn't hear the wind. I couldn't hear birds. I couldn't hear. All I was looking at was this bird up in the sky making this noise, telling me to go that way. And I was like, fuck it. I'm going. So I went, I made a big loop and I went back to where I started. And there's this draw that goes down. And so I, like past these rock, all the, the rock point, there's a draw. And I went down this draw and I'm just like walking around looking for body, like a body pretty much. And it's kind of open down in this draw, like not much for undergrowth or anything. So you could, you would see him laying there if he was dead, but I'm expecting him to be bedding in an area where he would like naturally want to bed with a gut shot, not just like run and fall and die in the middle of nothing. And so I'm kind of just like randomly just walking and I look down and like, I just got a corner, like a glimpse of it in my eye because like everything was wet and like the sun shined off of the water on this leave and the water of this leave had blood in it. And I'm like, and this was probably about a hundred yards away from where I jumped them. And I said, I was like, you gotta be. You have to be kidding me right now. I literally, I lost, I do I lost it. I, I literally, I don't, every, I, I was sitting there crying like a little girl in the middle of this draw in the middle of nowhere. Like I, I was just like, this, this doesn't even like, cause I was experiencing something that I didn't believe in almost. And it, and it was like, actually like, coming to like reality you know what i mean it was just just ridiculous at the moment it was yeah. just uh and it was like he was there it was like he was there like you're dumbass it's he's over here you know and so i had blood and like right before that skylar texted me and he's like dude i had a bunch of coyotes in the area and i didn't see anything whatever He's like, do you need help tracking? And I said, well, it's October 27th, dude. I'd go bow hunting. I don't need help. And, uh, but I mean, if you want to help, I mean, that'd be great. But if you, 
I don't expect you to come help me. And he's like, all right, dude, I'll be there. I was like, all right. So as soon as I saw, found the blood on the leave, I, I texted Skyler and I was like, dude, I got blood. He's like, shut up, dude. And I was like, yeah, I got blood. And I sent him the point and he's like, I'm on my way. We, I'm, I tracked this thing all the way up to this point uh, where I thought he was going to be bedding, no blood and then, or no bed. And then he went over the top a little bit and then there's this ditch and I could see the ditch down there with water in it. And I was like, all right, he went down there and all the, the down trails didn't have blood for some reason. I don't know if it was running on his body weird or what, but like every time he went down a hill, there was no blood at all. I would just have to follow the trail and the track. And so I went all the way down to this bottom with no blood. And then as soon as, and then like all pretty much all the way up, there was no blood either. But as soon as I got down to the bottom, I heard a deer jump up on this point up above. And I was like, you gotta be kidding me. This thing's still alive. And I'm like, I, then for sure I didn't gut shoot him. You know what I'm thinking? I'm like all these weird, I'm like, I don't know what the hell. And then I, I got up to the, this point and there's sure enough, a bed with blood in it. And I felt it right away and I'm like smelling it and there's not warm. Like a deer was just laying there, you know, a deer October 27th laying there is not going to smell like during the rut, you know, I, you'd smell something. Like, I just feel like it just didn't seem fresh at all. And I'm like, well, was that that deer or was that, did I just jump up a different deer? You know what I mean? And I walked another 10 yards. There was another bed with blood in it. Same thing. Just not much blood, just super like faded and like washed, you know, like just didn't look new at all. And so I was stuck in that location. I had one pin drop of blood going towards the grass field. And that was it. Like I, and I was sitting there for a good 30 minutes, just like scavenging this whole area, trying to find a drop of something to get a direction. And Skylar showed up and I told him the situation. He's like, did you even gut shoot this thing? And I was like, I don't even know at this point. I mean, I swear I saw it go in the guts, but I could have been hallucinating. I don't know what the hell. And so I said, I think it's pretty much, I think we just pretty much kind of to start grid searching. And he thought that it would go towards water. And I, I mean, yeah, it would make sense, but I just feel like I, why would he walk all the way down to the bottom? Like it's a long ways down there. Like I wouldn't do that if I was mortally wounded. So I would probably just go lay in this nice soft grass up that. And so I, He's, the whole time I was tracking him, he was pretty much taking, like, main routes. And he was wounded, so he wasn't, like, going through a bunch of thick stuff. He was trying to go through, like, the, the big main trails that, like, most of the deer were taking. And so I walked out onto the CR, into the CRP grass, and there's all sorts of trails going out into it. And I just took the biggest one. And Skyler went down, I don't know where he went and I walked down the this bigger trail and I got to this bed and there's blood in this bed and I'm like come on like into this grass and I'm like 
he's in here. Like now I started feeling like, could this actually be coming true? Like he's going to be in this grass because why would he be constantly betting down? And like the grass is like where you're going to die. I'm assuming like, I just think that way. And I, I called Scott. I was like, dude, get over here. I got a bet with blood in it. He comes and another 20 yards is a bet with blood. And now at this point we're, we're both like getting excited. Like we're like, he's gotta be in here. Like close like really close. And so I'm kind of like jumping around, like just freaking out, kind of like looking around, like he's got to be here. Like I'm looking around, looking around. And then there's an Island of trees up in the grass. And I thought maybe he was head, he was the beds were headed that way. So I thought maybe he was headed towards that Island and he was just going to get like a better vantage point because in that grass, you can't see anything. But if he was bedded in the island, you could at least, like, see some stuff, you know. And so I started going up towards the island. I'm, like, running around that island like a madman looking around. I'm, like, he's got to be laying in here. And I had a missed call from Skyler. And Skyler called me. Called, he's calling me again, and I answer. I said, what's up? He's like, I got another blood over here with blood, dude. Get over here now. And I said, all right. And so I'm, like, running through this grass like a little girl. Talk, like where are you dude you know and and uh zoom over here you know and i get over by him and like he was just like looking at me like a normal guy like i i you know like he he played this off real well because i walk up there and i all i see is this thing laying there in the grass and i i i don't know if i've ever been that just happy or what but like i freaked out like i and i lost it and <laughs> like we both like i remember looking into his face and he was looking at my face like as soon as i looked at it and i looked at him and it was just like inst- we were like clotheslining each other i was throwing my binoculars and my bow and shit all over we were yelling <laughs> oh man it was just it was just ridiculous the everything that we went through and then we found that thing laying there after so many ups and downs and the stuff. And I just, it was just crazy, man. It was crazy. Yeah. I, I tell you what, man, uh, that, that it's, it kind of reminds me of the scenario that I went through last year where I hit a deer, uh, back. He was, you know, he was quartering hard away and I hit him through his uh, back leg, but it went up into the guts, uh, nicked his liver, and uh, it took him, you know, it took him a while to die. But the cool thing about both of those stories is the, the, we didn't give up, right? Like, not a lot of guys, oh. I feel like there's only a handful of people that would, would have gone after that deer after that. After going however many yards, watching it jump onto private property, they wouldn't have gone the extra mile to recover that deer, but you did. And it was one of those things that it was almost like you had a little, you had a little help. You had a little help from, from something, you know what I mean? Oh yeah. Crazy. percent. Like it's just, that just doesn't happen like that. I just, I don't know. Like, I don't know how else I know that Scott was there, you know? Yeah. Like I just, it was just a feeling that I got and 
just how it all happened and panned out the way it was, how just why did and Skyler coming back, not hunting the rest of the day, like everything, the way it all just happened, the sequence of events that just laid out perfectly to make it happen that way. It was just, just ridiculous to me. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Mr. Zabel, man, I, I really appreciate you taking time out of your day to share that story with us. Uh, and, uh, man, uh, congrats on a, on a beautiful animal. Congrats on an awesome recovery and another memory and another story that you can tell. Uh, good luck the rest of the season, man. Thanks for having me on, dude. I mean, I don't really normally do very many podcasts, but I mean, I was like, I like talking to you. And so, yeah, good luck to you as well. All right, everybody, that brings us to the end of another episode. I tell you what, not only is uh, he good at what he does uh, from a professional standpoint, right, and that is make these awesome videos and he's good at photography and all this stuff, he's also a really good dude who is good at bow hunting as well. So um, reach out to uh, Curtis on Instagram or Facebook and just follow along. Uh, his story it's pretty cool and it's pretty unique other than that huge shout out to all the partners of this podcast vortex prime ozonics wasp lone wolf Uh, please go out and support the companies that support this podcast because when you do that then you get more of this more of all of this right so uh, go do that other than that uh, make sure you're following along on instagram and you're following along on uh, Facebook as well. Not only the Nine Finger Chronicles, but the Sportsman's Nation as well. Our, our YouTube channel, uh, Parker McDonald over at Southern Ground, is blowing up the YouTube channel with a ton of great video content. And uh, uh, he, he recently killed a buck, so go check that out. Other than that, uh, if, you're, if you like this, podcast subscribe to it on itunes or wherever you download the episode and sorry for such a long episode today but i felt it was necessary it's the rut be patient right be you know be thankful be safe and uh, if you're going to be in a tree you know it wear your damn safety harness good luck everyone